Father. Oh, how we need you today. Through the storm. Could it be that you will take us through? Of course you will. <laughs> what are we even asking? So please guide this study, the sermon. Let your spirit talk. And Father, I have nothing to say except Christ and him crucified, like Paul said. And help all of us to see a glimpse of your glory today through the study of your word and through the power of the Holy Spirit. It's my prayer in the name of Jesus. Amen. Have you ever been on a ship in the middle of the ocean in the middle of a storm? When I think about this, it takes me back to my years as a student missionary and as an uh, Adventist volunteer service. That just means two-year call that Jennifer and I did in the Marshall Islands. You hear me talk about this a lot because it made a big impact in my life. But that was the first time in my life that I went sailing in the big blue ocean. And uh, the, it was a few missionaries, and I might have told you the story before, or some of you might have, told, might have heard me tell it, but the idea was that we were going to sail. A few of us had never sailed, and we wanted to uh, basically pay this captain to take us out. And this captain was an older gentleman. He had a, a, about an 11-year-old son, and it was just them two in the crew of this ship. It was about a 40-foot ship, two-mast sailing ship. And so we did. Now, in the Marshall Islands, uh, it's, you have, as I've told you before, the island is very, very thin, and you just have to go there to really experience it. But on both sides is the ocean. And yet, on one side, it's calmer because it's the lagoon side. It's an atoll. It forms thin, thin strips of islands form this huge lagoon, which is still the ocean, but it's a little calmer. And so, uh, we started sailing in the lagoon, heading for the channel that all the big ships, the, the cruise ships and the big uh, fishing ships, um, mainly from Taiwan, would come in from time to time. Well, that big channel is the division between the lagoon and the big, the big blue ocean, the Pacific Ocean near the equator in Majuro Atoll. And so we did. It was a beautiful day, sunshine, and I even climbed uh, on the mast because I wanted to feel the wind in my hair. <laughs> um, I have a picture of that, but I'm not going to show it to you. <laughs> and, uh, and so it was a beautiful, I was enjoying my time, you know, it took us a couple of hours, then we had to pitch the other way, of course, in sailing, you pitch one way or the other. So we were pitching, and then, and then we straight into, the, we were close to the channel when the captain noticed in the radar. What do you think he saw? A storm. In the radar first, he, he was equipped with the radar, and there was a storm in the distance, he saw it first. But then we started noticing in the horizon, it was moving in fast. And so, he had to make a decision, what do we do? Should we continue to sail out into the big blue, or should we turn around and try to keep sailing, at least in the lagoon? We didn't know how big the storm was going to be, he didn't know, but it looked pretty big on the radar, and we could see it approaching rather fast. Well, right at the point where we were at the channel, he made the decision that it would be wiser to pitch back into the lagoon. And so we did. And as soon as we did, both sails were up, the winds started picking up. 
and the storm overtook us. And at first it was quite exciting because the wind was, was consistent at the beginning on the front side of the storm and, and, the, and the boat tilted one side and, and I felt like I was in, what is it called? America's Cup, you know? And I was like, oh yes, this is exciting. <laughs> I was like, you know, like this. And, but after a while, when the storm was right above us, the wind started doing crazy things. As you know, the wind can be quiet, um, you know, not very consistent anymore in the middle of a storm. It goes one way, the other way. The captain came to the conclusion that it was uh, too risky to keep sailing, especially with a crew of only two and a bunch of missionaries that didn't know how to do anything. <laughs> and so he decided, okay, let's, uh, let's bring the sails down wrap them up, and let's turn the, the motor that the sailboat was equipped with. <laughs> and so he did. And for about 10 minutes, now I would tell you, we were going slower with the motor than with the sails, because that's, that's what the wind was like at the time, but it started being unpredictable. And we were going, we were moving forward. As long as we were moving forward into the waves, it felt good. Oh yes, this is fun. It started raining, great. But then the motor, stopped. Something was wrong with the engine. <laughs> and so, all of a sudden, in the middle of the worst part of the storm, we were adrift with no direction in the middle of the lagoon. And let me tell you, there is a huge difference with moving forward in the middle of a storm in the ocean than not moving anywhere at all. <laughs> Totally different feel. All of a sudden, the boat was going which all the way, and it was a mess. Flip-flops starting flying off on board. You know, we were like, Phew, the boat was tossed back and forth. It's amazing. As, as soon as we were moving forward, it, was, it looked like a huge storm all of a sudden. It wasn't, okay? But to me, it felt like a huge storm. <laughs> And when you're adrift, it does feel like, it, like the waves feel, all of a sudden, they feel much, much bigger. And so we were there. Well, adrift. We were not in danger to go out into the big blue anymore, but now we were in danger to hit land, to hit sand. To, to, we were starting to go into uh, shores that were too shallow, and the captain started being worried. And so he, he started measuring, and he would, he would go back and fix the engine, and, and he would come up, and he would radio, and he would do this back and forth. Again, missionaries, like, we, we didn't know what to do. We were just scared at this point. Well, at one point, he said, we need to let the anchor down to, make, to see if we can at least avoid hitting the rocks and the sand that's coming up, because we could start. We saw the beach coming in, the reef. Uh, all of that, that's all this, the, the strips of land in the Marshall Islands. Anyways, and, and I told him, because, you know, I wanted to be helpful. And I said, uh, well, what can I do to help? I'll help. Okay, go down to the, to, the, <laughs> to the front of the boat, down underneath, and feed the chain out for the anchor. So I did. But, like I told you, the boat is moving everywhere in a... If you know where I'm going, it's not pretty. <laughs> and so I, I went down there. I did my job, okay? I did. I let the anchor down. But when I came up, let's just say I had an empty stomach afterwards. And I held on for my dear life as the boat was, again, everywhere and the wind. And by this time, we were cold because we were wet. 
And it was starting to get more serious. The captain started to be noticeably worried and stressed out. And I don't know, it must have been half an hour of that. And we could see land approaching faster and faster. The storm wouldn't let out. It just kept going. Finally, in the middle of the mist, we heard engines, big, deep. I don't remember how. Some of you are going to ask me, well, how powerful they were. I don't know, okay, but they were powerful. They sounded really powerful. And they were huge once I got to see them. There was a big old speedboat with two big old engines. We heard it first, and then out of the mist, out of the waves, it appeared. We threw him a line. He had heard the radar. He had heard the call. We threw him a line, tied us up, and started pulling us back into shore. And as soon as we were moving, it was great again. <laughs> it was amazing. It was like, oh, these waves are tiny. What it was just like, it's just a little, just a little waiting here in the waves. As soon as he was pulling, and it took about two hours for us to get safely back into port. That is my experience through the storm on a ship, on a sailing ship in the middle of the Pacific. Have you ever felt like that? Have you ever felt what it is to be adrift in your life in the middle of the storm? We have been looking at the life of Paul. This is the last of the sermon series, and I have to say I'm a little sad because I have enjoyed this series tremendously. Paul has been everywhere, and he has grown so much. We, we, from, his, from the time that he got converted and saw the resurrected Christ to now, a lot has happened in his life. He has had to deal with all kinds of problems. Uh, persecutions, abuse, false prophets, legalistic party of circumcision, those who were misrepresenting the gospel, all kinds of things. In 2 Corinthians, you don't have to turn there. Let me just quickly read this for you. He says, in labors, this is 2 Corinthians 11, in labors more abundant, in stripes above measure, in prisons more frequently, in deaths often from the Jews. Five times I received 40 stripes minus one. Three times I have been bitten with rods. Once I was stoned. Three times I was shipwrecked. A night and a day I have been in the deep. In journeys often, in perils of water, perils of robbers, in perils of my own countrymen, in perils of the Gentiles, in perils in the city, in perils of the wilderness. I can't even, I can't even, you know, find a place to breathe. In perils in the sea, in perils among false brethren, in weariness and toil, in sleeplessness often, in hunger and thirst, in fasting often, in cold and nakedness, besides the other things. <laughs> what comes upon me daily, my deep concern for all the churches. Above all the things that he had gone through, his biggest concern was what? The church. And the churches that he had helped to start in all the places he had been. That's quite a list, isn't it? But let me remind you that that list was written probably 57 AD during his third missionary journey. Remember, he had one, two, three. Third missionary journey... And that means that there's quite a bit in his ministry that is not even listed in that list. You might say, oh, there's more? Yes. His arrest in Jerusalem, it's missing from that list. 
uh, two years, might have been. And so it was a long ordeal. And, and around 59, 60, around that time is when he was arrested in our story today. Uh, and many believe that after being in Rome for some time, Luke didn't write this, but many believe that he uh, went back to the churches and either went to Spain or sent out missionaries to Spain. He didn't stop. And in the, in the middle of that, he had a perilous journey, obviously, to Rome, like we're going to talk about today. Uh, a snake bite. Uh, so, and then house arrest in, in, in Rome under Nero, out of all Caesars. So, all these things he did. And now we see him right here. Meet him like Luke on this ship bound for Rome. As a prisoner this time, after, let me set the picture, he had gone to Jerusalem with, with money for the churches that he had collected. He had collected money for the church in Jerusalem from all the other Gentile churches, and, and, and he was bringing the, this, this beautiful gift to Jerusalem. And when he got to Jerusalem, he told them everything, and they, and they, they, and they, and, and they were still compromising in some ways. They were still, uh, this issue of, of circumcision, all this was still there. And they said, well, there's, there's a lot of people that are saying that you're not teaching things right. And there's a lot of people that are saying that, that you don't teach the law of Moses. The law of Moses. And so you need to go and do this bow and this and that. Bad advice he was given by the, by the highest council in Jerusalem, the church. And because of that bad advice, and he followed that advice, he was taken captive by the brethren in Jerusalem and accused of something he had not done. And so now he's on a ship as a prisoner, shackled by chains, but his heart, his spirit, absolutely unshackled by the gospel. More determined than ever, even to save Anybody that he comes across, like we were saying, even in secular authorities, he would tell his testimony still, all this stuff, that had not changed. Luke was with them. That's why if you read chapter 27, in fact, let's go there. Open your Bibles, whatever Bible you have, to chapter 27 of the book of Acts. And so he is talking about sailing to Italy. And he was under the, the jurisdiction of a centurion named Augustan uh, from a particular cohort or, or, or section of the Roman army. Oh, sorry, from the Augustan cohort. His name was Julius. Julius was the name of the centurion that was uh, in charge of Paul. Anyways, uh, you can see the story. Luke is with him and, so, and also a, a, a guy by the name of Aristarchus. Uh, if anybody of you are looking for boy names, that could be a one. Aristarchus, he was one of the very few Jewish brothers that, was, that actually stayed with Paul all throughout his problems. And in fact, he had been, he had been taken by uh, the, the, the mob at one time and beaten himself. He shared in Paul's persecutions. He was with him too. But this trip was not simple. It was complicated and it was difficult from the very beginning. Uh, let's pick it up. Uh, let's pick it up from verse 4. And you can see there's a little map in your uh, bulletin just to let you know kind of what they've done. You can study this on your own further in, in, your, in your time. 
uh, but just to, to get an idea what they did in the Mediterranean. But pick it up from verse 4 in chapter 27, and he says, From there we put out to sea and sail under the shelter of Cyprus, because the winds were what? What does your Bible say? Are you following with me? Verse 4, the winds were what? Oh. So already from the, from beginning, from the beginning, this ship, this voyage was difficult from the very beginning. The, the winds were contrary. Uh, verse 5, when we had sailed through the sea along the coast of Cilicia and Pamphylia, we landed at Myra in, in Lycia. There the centurion found an Alexandrian ship sailing for Italy, and he put us aboard it. Verse 7, when we had sailed slowly for a good many days and with difficulty uh, had arrived at Nidus, since the wind did not permit us to go farther, we sailed under the shelter of Crete. So if you're following the map, now they are near Crete. All right, that's another island, very important island even today. So they are, they are kind of... Be, as long as they are behind the shelter of Crete, it's, 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 you know, it's, they can handle it. Verse 9, when considerable time had passed and the voyage was now dangerous, since even the fast was already over, Paul began to admonish them. Now, this, he, he's talking about the Day of Atonement, the fast of the Day of Atonement. So we're talking about October, November. They, they said that past that day, it was, it was dangerous to sail in the Mediterranean at that time. And, and for a while, nobody would sail because it was for a couple of months. They had to winter. They had to, they had to spend the winter somewhere before they could continue the voyage. So that's the problem. But look what Paul says in verse 10. Man, I perceive that the voyage will certainly be uh, with damage of, and great loss, not only of the cargo and the ship, but also of our lives. But, verse 11, the centurion was more persuaded by the pilot and the captain of the ship than by what was being said by Paul. Oh, huh, huh. So Paul warned them and told them, let's not do this. But the problem is that the, the harbor that they were at, it wasn't a good harbor to spend the, to, to spend the, 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 the winter. So look at verse 13. When a moderate south wind, so that if you're looking at Crete, it came from the south, that kind of would help them to go to Italy. A moderate south wind came up, supposing they had obtained their purpose. They weighed anchor and began sailing along Crete, close inshore. It's interesting that sometimes we're just, we're just a little bit stubborn. The early church was too. That's why they gave Paul bad advice. And that's why he was found on that ship. And this time, they didn't hear him. And they did what they thought was better. They thought they, could, they knew better, and so they went. And the problem is that now, as you're going to see, they're going to see themselves in a situation that they cannot control. Verse 14. Remember, Luke is writing this. He is aboard the ship. But before very long, there rushed down from the land a violent wind called Urakilo. Northeastern wind, very violent. When the ship was caught in it and could not face the wind anymore, we gave way to it and let ourselves be driven along. Running under the shelter of a small island called Clauda, Cloud, Clauda, we were scarcely able to get the ship's boat under control. They were dragging the, 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 the life, the emergency boat, and also the boat that they would use to go inland, you know, smaller, smaller uh, skiff or whatever. They, they had to drag it on board, otherwise it would, that one would break too, right? 
So you're following this story as Luke is retelling it. After they had hoisted it up, they used supporting cables in the, uh, undergirding the ship. So they, they were so bad that they started pulling cables under the ship because they thought, we're going to lose the ship. This is going to break. So they, they would do that to secure it, to, to, to try to avoid it, breaking it completely. So you see them working really hard to do everything they can. They let down the sea anchor, and in this way, let themselves be driven along. The next day, as we were being violently storm-tossed, they began to throw the cargo, trying to lighten the ship. And on the third day, they threw the ship's tackle overboard with their own hands. So you see the progression. And verse 20 is one of the, is one of the, one of the saddest verses in the Bible, I think. Check it out from the, from the New Living Translation. See how it says, the New Living Translation is very good sometimes when it comes to stories. The terrible storm raged for many days, Luke says, blotting out the sun and the stars until at last all hope was gone. Can you feel it? Can you put yourself on that ship? All hope lost. We've tried. We did this, we did that, we, we, we thought we, we had a good win, we thought we, were, we, we knew what we were doing, we, and now we have lost hope. Have you ever lost hope? That you yourself, maybe the storm that might be facing you, that you couldn't survive the storm, that something about the situation you were in, your family might not survive. It will, this, this, this feeling of everything falling apart, even after you've done and worked so hard. You've done the right thing. You believed in God. You even gave testimony about God. And, and, and here we are. Here you feel with no hope. Have you ever felt that the church is hopeless? All hope is gone battered in such a way by the culture and, and, and everything else that it cannot continue with its mission anymore. All hope lost. What does that feel like? Well, exactly like a ship that is adrift in the middle of the ocean. That's what hopelessness feels like. I'm sure you have been there. I'm sure you can relate in a situation where you cannot control it feels like it's out of your hands, even if you've done everything you can. You've tied the ropes, you brought the, 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 the skiff on board, you, you did all these things. And in that situation, what does the unshackled gospel do? What does the aged and frail apostle Burdened by his physical ailment. What does he do in this situation, in this terrible storm where everyone else is losing hope? What does he do? How does he cope with the storm? It wasn't his fault. He was prison, imprisoned by chains. And yet, we can clearly see that the, pri the, the, the true prisoners are the sailors that cannot control the situation. Now they, they have come to the end of their power. And Paul is the one that is truly unshackled. Because even in, that, in the middle of that, <laughs> he does not despair. He does not let himself go into hopelessness. 
Let me, let's pick up the story from, from verse 21. Now, I have mixed three different translations. New Living Translation, Berean Standard uh, Translation. If you never looked at that, that's a very interesting translation as well in, in, in my favorite New American Standard. Because it just retells the story better. So pick it up in verse 21 and look up at the screen and kind of follow and, and kind of compare. No one had eaten for a long time, Luke says. Finally, what did Paul do? Paul called the crew together and said, all right, guys, you should have listened to me. I told you so. <laughs> you should have listened to me in the first place and not left Crete. You would have avoided all this damage and loss. And yet, and yet, I love this, and yet now, even now in the middle of this storm, I urge you. Now, these are his, the people that, are, that have imprisoned him. These are the people that, as you're going to see in the story, they want to kill him. They don't care about him. But yet his burden is still for them. The mission is undiluted in his heart. The mission is still there. Nothing will shake him off from that mission. And so he says to them, even now, yet now, I urge you to keep up your what? your courage for there will be no loss of life among you but only for the ship wow for just last night an angel of god whose i am and whom i serve stood beside me in the middle of the storm and said do not what do not be afraid paul you must stand before caesar and look, God has granted you all the lives who sail with you. Ah, so take courage, Paul says to them. Now talking to them. Take courage, guys. There's about 200 and some in that sh on that ship. Take courage, for I believe God. It will be just as he said. But we will be shipwrecked on an island. Paul, in the middle of the storm, is preaching to these people who didn't know God. But these Gentiles, he's still saying to them, take courage. Wow. And this is where we come to, to the most important part of the message today. My emphasis here. Look at these verses. For just last night, an angel of God, whose I am. Paul says in the middle of the storm, I belong to Christ. This storm doesn't change my identity. The mission is not altered because the ship seems like it's going to be lost. Because everyone around me has given up hope, I still belong to Jesus. I still serve Him, no matter what. Wow. Wow. God has granted you, the angel says, the lives of all who sail with you because of Paul. And his message was, take courage, for I believe God, it will happen. It will happen just like he said. Who do you belong to? 
when you are uh, when you are battered and assailed by a situation that you cannot control can you still say I belong to Christ no matter what whose I am he has bought me who do you belong to who do you serve whose chains are on your hands by the Paul says we either serve ego and selfishness and Satan and sin or pride or we serve Jesus those are the two masters can you say with Paul for me to live is Christ and to die is gain can you repeat with him I count it all loss for the knowledge of Christ can you live out the gospel in the same way where it's not your agenda your time your way your money your talents your degrees nothing except I have been crucified with Christ therefore I no longer live but Jesus Christ now lives in me can you stand in the middle of the storm and be the one who encourages the people who are trying to kill you and did not follow your advice <laughs> the ones that that oppose you can you lift them up in prayer and give them encouragement to believe in God to hold on can you be the game changer in a situation that seems hopeless when everyone else is disappointed and faithless spiritually dead shackled by their fear and unshackle them by the power of Christ can you be that person can you do that for yourself I hope somebody's listening to me this morning if you are watching listen to me this morning can you do that for yourself shackled maybe by a recovery or an addiction or something that seems impossible to you you have lost your motivation you have lost your hope you seem like a boat that's adrift on the ocean you feel like God cannot help you anymore you've gone too far lost at sea no one will come save you now that's what your heart tells you but can you find the courage to tell yourself that hope is not lost that God has not changed the gospel hasn't changed can you yell through the storm and the wind and the waves in the middle of your mental storm to hold on to Jesus you belong to him you are his child oh yes the devil will assail you but if you hold on to Jesus nothing Romans 8 says nothing nothing will separate you from him can you do that for your family even if you cannot change the situation and even as you pray God does not intervene in the way that you want him to the storm continues can you still be the one that encourages your family to hold on to Jesus can you be the one that shows them how to how to do that when all seems lost can you shout in the middle of the noise of brokenness and pain to unshackle the members of your family from their fear by the power of Christ that lives in you can you say to them take courage
courage. Don't give up because the God whose I am and to whom I belong can, can, can take you and us as a family through this storm. Can you be the one that intercedes for those family members who are gripped by fear and shackled by misconceptions? The angel said, all of the ones on the ship will be saved because of Paul. And finally, what about our church? You, think, you see, I think of this ship as a metaphor. I'm not the only one, of course. The ship could be seen as a metaphor of the individual, of a family, and of the church. So let, let's go a little further as we, as we close this study asking the question, can I be that person? Can I do that by the power of the gospel in me? The Bible says, verse 27 now, 14 days, the 14th night, it says, it was midnight, and they've been driven around. They had no idea where they were at the, at the, at the darkest time at night, you know, they thought all of a sudden that they might be approaching some land. It sounds familiar to me. They started measuring and all this stuff, and, and they were afraid. The Bible says that, that they even tried to, uh, to, 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 to send the anchors. Let, let's look at 29. Fearing that we might run aground somewhere in the rocks, they cast four anchors from the stern and wished for daybreak. Have you ever wished for daybreak? Come on, as a church, we know what midnight means. But daybreak is coming. Yeah. Yeah, but as, as the sailors were trying to escape, now, now listen to this. The sailors think, we're going to all die here. This, this is going to turn really bad. Let's go on this other ship. It will be safer. As the sailors try, try to let's put back the picture of the boat. As the sailors try to, to, to escape, they think it'd be safer. Verse 30, uh, they were trying to escape from the ship and had let down the ship's boat into the sea with the pretense on, of intending to lay out anchors from the boat. So now let's look at 31. This is what Paul tells them. Paul said to the centurion and the soldiers, unless, unless these men remain on the ship, you yourselves cannot be saved. And so what does the centurion do? Orders to cut the ropes. Now you have a centurion following the orders of the prisoner. That's what the gospel can do. In you. Through you. Now the centurion is paying attention. Now he is defending Paul. So they cut the lines. He, doesn't say, he says, okay, fine. The centurion believes. Because of Paul's testimony. Wow. Then they cut the ropes. They cut the ropes. Now, that ship is not safer. That ship is not safer. Don't, he was telling them, don't abandon the ship. Stay with it. Hold on. God has a plan. Yes, it was our mistake. Yes, we shouldn't have sailed. Yes, you didn't listen. But God in His mercy and His power has granted this ship safety for all of us sounds familiar 
Yeah. So in the middle of, the, of, an, of a very terrible storm that threatens to destroy everything, there is an ambassador of the gospel giving testimony to secular authorities and, and, and people that did not believe in Christ and encouraging them to believe in Jesus. And so, the people that start believing in Jesus start being unshackled themselves. Even as the ship is about to run aground, but all of them are going to be saved, of course, as we're going to see. Even then, this is the, this is the end of it. Look at, look at verse 44. Verse 44, I put it wrong in the, in the slide. This is verse 44. At the end of the story, it says the, the others held on to planks. So some were swimming finally because they, 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 they saw a beach. They, they went there. Then they ran aground. And so they had to swim a little ways. But it says everyone escaped safely to shore. Everyone. Everyone. Even the ones that tried to kill Paul. Yes. Everyone. Now, in the end times. We know that it will seem as if the church is about to fall. We know that. Students of prophecy. Yes? We know that divisions and fanaticism and accusations and many kinds of troubles will assail this church. We know that humans make mistakes. Sometimes leadership makes mistakes. But what is the counsel for us? What are we to do when it seems like all hope is lost? Are we to completely give up on the organized movement that God has raised for these days and this generation and this place? Ah, the counsel from the most prolific woman writer in the English language says clearly, do not abandon ship. Let me share a few of the phrases that I find very helpful to me when I feel like all hope is lost. Some from testimony, some from letters. She says, let none entertain the thought that we can dispense with organization. It has cost us much study and many prayers for wisdom. We know God has answered to erect this structure. It has been built by His direction through much sacrifice and conflict. Let none of our brethren be so deceived as to attempt to tear it down. For you will thus bring in a condition of things that you do not dream of. In the name of the Lord, I declare to you that it is to stand strengthened and established. And settled. It is a delusion of the enemy for anyone to feel that, the, uh, that he can disconnect from the body and work on an independent scale on his own and think he is doing God's work. We are one body. Every member is to be united to the body. Dear Brother M, I had an impressive dream last night. I thought that you were on a strong vessel sailing on a very rough waters. Sometimes the waves beat over the top and you were drenched with water and you said, I shall get off. This vessel is going down. No, said one who appeared to be the captain. This vessel sails into the harbor. She will never go down. Uh, 
But you answered, I shall be washed overboard as I am neither captain nor mate. Who cares? I shall take my chances on that vessel you see yonder. Said the captain, I shall not let you go there. For I know that vessel will strike the rocks before she reaches the harbor. Uh, humor me with two more. The church may appear as about to fall, but it does not fall. It remains. While the sinners in Zion will be sifted out, the chaff separated from the precious wheat. I hope, finally, you will be strengthened and established in the faith. The work will surely go forward, whether we advance, it, advance with it or not. It will be victorious. But the question is, shall we be victorious with it? So finally, my appeal, my appeal to us as we close this series, what was the burden of Apostle Paul at the end of his life? Was it the beatings? Was it the stripes? No. It was the church. It was the church. So my final question to you, uh, praise team, you can come up if you don't mind, maybe some music in the background. Here's my final question to today. Can you, just like I asked you, can you be, can you do that for yourself? Remember that? I asked you, can you do that for your family? Shout in the middle of the storm and encourage. Can you be the one in your church who is louder than the storm and the chatter? and encourages everyone to hold on to Jesus? Uh, to stay on the ship? Can you be the one who stays right behind the captain, holding on to his garments, not getting all worked up about this or that, but staying engaged in ministry in the power of the unshackled gospel, no matter what happens? No matter how strong the storm may become. No matter how it may seem to destroy us, can you be that person that helps our body here to focus on Christ's gaze of grace, on His sight of love? Here's the heart of a broken vessel pastor tonight. I mean, this morning. Wow, seems like I preached forever, maybe. <laughs> Now is not the time, beloved. Now is not the time to disengage from this movement in this local community. No. It is at the darkest time. It is when everything seems to, to be lost and there are questions and all this stuff. That's when we must hold on. That's when we have to shout even louder, Christ wins. We will make it to shore alive. God will take us through the storm. I assure you of that. Because our captain is faithful. So faithful that he died on that cross. That Paul talked about so much. So powerful that he resurrected from that tomb and conquered death. What else is there to say or do but to focus on Him and on His mission? Now, more than ever, is the time to encourage each other to leave it all behind for the gospel.
focus on the, the most important matters of this generation at this time for each other loving each other agape it's a love that is not deserved loving our community because there is an end that's a fast approaching we know that and they don't realize it that's our mission that's our goal the storm rages on but Jesus is still our captain our shipmaster the groom of this bride and he will see this ship through the storm he's still ah, he's still Lord of creation Lord of all wisdom Lord of all being and Lord of all power his bondage is still true freedom and his service is still song join me join me join me on this ship in this time in this generation to take the unshackled gospel even as he takes us through the storm please stand with us as we sing our hymn of response lord of creation
Today, I command each person who will listen to your call through the unshackled gospel. I pray you give them the courage to be that one person on, in that storm for themselves, for their family, and for their church. Take us safely through, Jesus. Be our captain till we are on that shore. In the name of Jesus, amen.